For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to take a minute and talk to you about one of our favorite sponsors on the show, Podcorn. Whether you're a business looking to get the word out about your brand or a new product, or you're a podcast trying to figure out how to monetize your show, there is no better place to do it than Podcorn. It is bananas easy. So easy, even Rick is able to do it. You simply look through the sponsorships, figure out which brands might be a good fit for your show, or if you're a show, you work with them, get your product uploaded, and Find podcasts that everybody's listening to to get the word out. So what are you waiting for? Head over to podcorn.com today to get started. That's podcorn.com today to get started. What is happening, gang? We are Jack today on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling. In today's episode, we are going to dive deep into the AFC South. It's our continuation tour through all of the teams in the NFL's offseason. And you fans of the AFC South, particularly you people in a place called Indianapolis, have been pining to get the Hall of Famers take on the Colts and some of their division rivals offseason. So this is where you hear it. I mean, this is going to be truly interesting. We get Bill's breakdown of what he thinks the Texans did, what the Titans did. And then this week, he actually spent some time with Urban Meyer down in Florida. So this, we're going to get some inside info into what Bill thinks about the Jags, the development of Trevor Lawrence, and how quickly they might be a threat in the division. So get ready. This is our look at the AFC South. But before we dive into the show, I wanted to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors, Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So we've been saying this week over week, but it's true, more true now than ever. You got a hot uh, NHL playoff season. You got a hot NBA playoff season. Lots of things happening in the world that you can bet on, and there's no better place to do it than bet online. So head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a free 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, a free 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you go over to betonline.ag or hit betonline from your mobile device. So what are you waiting for? All right, gang, this is our look at the AFC South. It is a fun one. All right, what is happening, gang? We have gotten through schedule release. My uh, excitement for our NFC East episode has still not dissipated, and I some of us might be playing a little hurt today, not just injured. Or how does that analogy go? Is is injured is worse than hurt, right? Yeah. It, 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 you can play hurt, you can't play injured. Yeah, so I think we're fighting through injury, but we're still playing in today's episode. Uh, but that's what Hall of Famers do. Uh, I think it's because we're excited to dive into the AFC East. How are we doing today, guys? Good, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're there for you, and we're supporting Bill in his quest to get through this show. <laughs> All right, well, Rick, dive us into the <laughs> AFC South. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start with the Texans, Bill, which is really 
a tale of two platoons. Uh, when you look at them, um, their offense really put up good numbers, even though they were only 18th uh, in points, which they, they averaged 24 points a game. But in terms of combined yards per play, they ranked first at 6.4. I'm talking, this is in the NFL first. First in passing yards per play at 8.3. Tied for second in rush yards at 5.0. Um, <clears throat> and well, they, they did give up 3.1 sacks. They were near the bottom in that. But then defense, the, the excellence turns to horror. Uh, in terms of points allowed, uh, they were 27th. They gave up 29 points a game. Combined yards allowed, they were 30th at 416.8 yards. Uh, passing yards allowed, they were 29th in the league, Bill, at 7.6 average. In rushing, they were dead last, uh, with a, 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 a giving up 5.2 on every rush. Um, and in sacks, they were ranked 20, a tie for 28th, only recording 1.4. Uh, here's how that comes out in the combined. The point differential came out to a, a minus 5, and the turnover margin per game was minus 0.2. So, obviously, Bill, Deshaun Watson uh, lit it up last year, uh, but who knows what the future holds there. Uh, what we do know is the D was terabad. Um, were there any bright spots amid the defensive rubble? Uh, and where do you see this team going? Well, not only were there no bright spots, it, it only got worse in the offseason. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. focusing on Deshaun Watson. Uh, there was a soap opera with respect to the hiring of the coach and the hiring of the um, general manager. Uh, they had employed a search firm who recommended two people uh, as as coach and general manager. They were actually in negotiations with those two people, both friends of mine, when uh, a gentleman, I think his name is Sotheby. I could be wrong on that Easter, name. Easter, Easter, good old Jack Easterby. Yeah, Freudian slip there. Sotheby is a realty firm. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, which, which the former people need in the worst way. Uh, Easterby stepped in and, and installed his own candidate, Nick Casario, former uh, co colleague in New England, as as general manager. And then after a a long and prolonged, um, you know, up and down coaching search, they 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 finally decided on David Cully, uh, who many people believe to be a a caretaker, while this team goes through a complete rebuild. That remains to be seen. In terms of free agents lost, um, this is, if you're a Texan fan, you're going to recognize some of these names. If you're not, you, you, you won't because they're basically role players, but they're essentially escapees from what is, <laughs> what is the... I, I, I hear Clint Eastwood thinking about making an escape from Texas. It possibly, yeah, escape from uh, Houston. Houston, um, yeah. J.J. Watt, the most decorated player in franchise history. I, I can't say that this is unexpected, and this has nothing to do with the change in administration. Uh, J.J. is 32 years old. He's been beset by many injuries over the past little while, and so he moved on, uh, and 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 he'll be he'll be fine. He'll play another year or two, at, and he, he's better off out of there. Will Fuller, whose reputation 
is is greater than his production. Uh, got a ten million dollar uh, guarantee from uh, from Miami uh, to use the hackneyed phrase, take the top off the defense. <laughs> Problem is, Will doesn't always bring the ball with him, and he's not on the field every week. Um, <laughs> but he certainly can take the top off the defense. Exactly, yeah. Um, Carlos Watkins, uh, n- now come the, the, the sort of uh, guys that, that only their families and, and friends know <laughs> played, for the, <laughs> played for the Texans. Carlos Watkins, a defensive end. Nick Martin, who was a, a center for a while. Darren Fells tight end. Most people, you know, follow the team would know those guys. A.J. McCarron, who never got in a game uh, because he backed up uh, Deshaun Watson. Brian Anger, the punter, who's well-traveled. Zach Fulton, Terrell Adams. Brennan Scarlett, who uh, uh, was a, at one point in time, was a decent outside linebacker. Cullen Gillespie, a fullback. Uh, Geno Stone, safety. Tyler Simmons, wide receiver. What Nick Casario did was the first thing that I was taught by, taught by George Paterno many, many years ago, far more years than I care to remember, as a young college coach. And that was the first thing you do when you come to a new program is get lined up, meaning right. you get 22 <laughs> players and you line them up and you're able to go out on the field and snap the ball on, on opening day it doesn't matter how you play. In that case, uh, you, you look the part and and you look professional. So that's what Nick did. So he added Ryan Finley and Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Mark Ingram at running back, uh, Philip Lindsay at running back, Chris Connolly at wide receiver, Andre Roberts at wide receiver, Alex Eckerson at wide receiver, Dante Moncrief at wide receiver. These are all guys who are what we would term journeyman players, uh, but they are professionals and they can line up and they can and they can look like professionals. Farrell Brown, another well-traveled wide receiver. Ryan Izzo in a trade from the Patriots. He was Nick Casario, drafted him there. He, he did not have a very good rookie year. Uh, Marcus Cannon from the Patriots. Roderick Johnson, Justin McCray, Offensive lineman, Lane Taylor, offensive guard, Justin Britt, offensive guard. So now they got a now they got a, an offense that can line up. And and most of these guys are on one or two, in fact the vast majority are on one or two year contracts. So these are not unlike the coach placeholders probably when it's all said and done. But they needed to do this. On defense they they train they they train a changed, excuse me, to Tampa 2, which was the most shocking thing that 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 I, when I heard that they hired Lovey Smith as a defensive coordinator, I was shocked because this is a franchise that during all the years prior was an absolute, complete opposite of Tampa 2. We used Tampa 2 in Indianapolis and beat them quite frequently. They were right. obviously in the same <laughs> division. But they disdained it. So um, this is a, this is I don't know I don't know how you describe this. Perhaps that, you know, they've signed up the uh, Iranian presidential guard <laughs> right. to, to, to replace the Swiss 
the Swiss guards in the Vatican, you know? Hey, may, maybe Jack Easterby thought it was 2002 and not 2021, and this is not an expansion draft year. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Um, so they brought in Jack Lawson, who's a, who's a Tampa 2 defensive end. Uh, Derek Rivers, I'm not so sure he fits the mold. Demarcus Walker certainly does. Malik Collins certainly does. Jamel Johnson certainly does. Uh, a linebacker named Camus Grieger Hill, uh, Jordan Jenkins, uh, a linebacker, Christian Kirksey, a well-traveled linebacker, um, cornerback Terrence Mitchell, uh, and Vernon Hargraves was re-signed. He's one of the uh, he's one of the few survivors, you know, yeah. to come back. Well, wasn't he a lovey guy from Tampa way back when? Uh, yes, he was. That's correct. Yes, uh, Desmond King who was exiled somewhere before he was picked up here <laughs> to go uh, into further exile. But, but, but is, uh, uh, is a, a, is a really good cover two corner, by the way, he'll, he'll do fine. Uh, safety, Terrence Brooks, punter, Cam Johnson, long snapper, John Weeks. So I'm joking about this, but Nick did a terrific job in, in getting people to line up and getting people who fit Lovey's system. Now, are they the kind of people you can win championships with? No. Uh, there's nobody here that that resembles Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis or Bob Sanders. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, that's only three to four players that they have to, they have to add. And over time, I think they'll be pretty good. The, the shock to, the, to my system was that they were, that they were going to Tampa too. I just, I mean, it just, I keep saying it over and over again, but I, I, I can't believe it. And and Easterby going along with it is is amazing to me, man. How could you come from New England, Casario and Easterby, and adapt Indianapolis's defense? It just, <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. No, it's heresy. Well, exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, let's not let's not do religious uh terms with Easterby. Pardon me, that's correct. <laughs> yes. yes. God forbid. I stand corrected. <laughs> and we already had the Vatican Swiss Guard. So yeah, so there you go. We are, that's one too many religious references. All right. Okay. Uh, they had no draft choices. That's the other part of this yeah, wreckage. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they gave it all away in, in the trade for Laramie Tunsil, who people who, who, who like the Texans and who want to try and ameliorate the fact that that it was a disaster area. Try to tell you that Laramie Tulson is an Tulson is an outstanding left tackle. He is not. He's a journey, slightly better than a journeyman, and they paid way way too much for him. They gave up essentially this year's draft uh, to get him. So, you know, th- that was a bad trade. And then unfortunately, Bill O'Brien, who I think is a terrific coach was acting as the general manager, didn't have a lot of support uh, in the franchise and made that trade. I mean, they needed a left tackle, and you could argue that Laramie Tunsil was okay at left tackle, and he is, uh, but um, certainly not at the price that they paid, and that ultimately cost Bill his job. And Uh, how much, Bill, how much of that is just the danger of having a head coach who's got a win-now mentality making long-term decisions for the franchise? Look, I I would not... I would not see that sort of uh, narrative as necessarily the case. He's looking to fill a need, which is what every coach and general manager should do. 
what Bill didn't have was the kind of support system from the from the personnel side that said, yeah, Tunsil's available and he's on the market and, and he's a marginal red player. And so he'll fill the need, but absolutely don't give a one for him and absolutely don't give multiple picks for him. And that's what needed to happen. And, and Bill needed someone who was able to sit there with him and say, look, I know you want the guy, but we can't bankrupt the franchise to get an average player because we're not that close. You know, we're not, you're never one player away. And, that's and Bill, the, that's right. the, yeah, that's the, the moral and, of the story. And, and, and Bill also, I mean, to me, the, with, with where the complexity of things and the breadth of knowledge and so on that is operating uh, at, when you're at a high level in the NFL, for somebody to be head coach and general manager. I mean, I know how hard you worked to perfect your craft, but I, I don't know how you could have taken on another job and been the head coach of the Colts or the Bills. I mean, it, it, just, it just seems to me itself to be a recipe for disaster. It's hard to do. You, If you're going to do it, you better have an incredible support staff on whichever side of the business your expertise does not lie. So if you're the head coach, you better have an incredible, um, you know, support staff who can help you make those decisions. And even there, in the case of New England, where that, that, that's the that's the you know the quintessential example of someone who wears two hats. Up until uh, last year, they really hadn't had very much much success in the draft for about six years running. So. You know, it, it all, it's hard to do. Okay, the, the Texans draft, um, Davis Mills, they did not have a one or a two. They drafted Davis Mills in the third round. This, again, was an absolute need pick. Davis Mills has a very bad knee. The reason He has, I think, five games as a starter at Stanford. He's got talent. He can throw the ball. He was a big recruit coming out of high school. But by by the on television on draft day, David Shaw, his coach, said he needed to stay for another year. Uh, he's not ready to play right now, and the reason he came out was because that knee is going to shorten his career. Say most of the medical people. So I think his his thinking was, hey, I better get in while I still have some time left, um, because the knee will deteriorate over time, and uh, or that's the history of those kind of injuries, I should say, and so. They got themselves a reasonably good prospect. The question is, will he stay on the field and, and, and how often can he develop? Nico uh, Collins, who they also took in the third round, is a um, big, powerful power receiver. And it would indicate West Coast offense, although we don't know, you know, in the end what they're going to play. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out when, when they get on the field. But uh, Nico is a power receiver, uh, not a guy that you'd – well, I mean, he's a, he's a third-rounder. He's got good hands. He's tough. He runs good routes. He's not fast. It's that simple. Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami, Florida, is the reverse. Um, he's a fifth-round pick. Uh, he's not a blocker. He's not a guy that uh, is a great detail guy. He's not a guy that's real physical, catching, running after the catch. But he does have good hands, and he's fast, and he runs routes. Um, you know, runs pretty good routes. Many people compare him to the kid from North Carolina, 
who went to Detroit. Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron. Uh, and, and that's not, I mean, that's not a, a, a flattering comparison. No. <laughs> um, but the, I can see the similarities. I hope he has, uh, uh, you know, a little more want to uh, than Eric Ebron. Uh, and then Garrick Rollo and, and, uh, is a linebacker and Roy Lopez, a defensive tackle. Um, Lopez, I've seen at Arizona, uh, not bad. He'll fit for um, he'll fit for uh, Lovey. Uh, he'll get up the field. Uh, I don't know Wallow. He's from uh, TCU, but I can tell you they play a style similar to Tampa two. It's actually a three three five, but you have to be athletic to play it. So he fits the mold. But uh, you know we'll see what develops here. None of these guys are world beaters, and uh, and we'll see how they how it's you know how they do when it's all. All said and done, um, their depth chart mirrors what uh, Rick talked about, a, 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 an offense that's reasonably good, assuming Deshaun Watson is back, which is a big assumption. David Johnson at running back and Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. Okay. Brandon Cooks at wide receiver, Randall Cobb at wide receiver, Kiki QT at wide receiver. Okay. Uh, Brandon Cooks can take the top off the defense. He, too, is not a guy that he, I mean, he's very well-traveled, I think largely because he's he gets more money than his production finally adds up to, and people kind of say, well, too much money to pay for this kind of production. Randall Cobb is a tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar slot uh, player. Kiki UT is a poor man's Randall, uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, Jordan Akins is the tight end right now. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, Matt Sharping, Justin Britt at center, Marcus Cannon, and Titus Howard at right tackle. Uh, as I say, there's not a lot of all-stars there, but but they can line up, and with Deshaun Watson, they'll be entertaining, and they'll move the ball, and they'll be respectable. On defense, this is anybody's guess, of course, because you don't know what's going to happen uh, once they get on the field, but Vincent Taylor, Malik Collins, Charles Omenehu, and Whitney Merciless will, 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 you know, whether Merciless moves to defensive end or only plays there in nickel or dime situations remains to be seen. Uh, but he's a he's a, a very good pass rusher. Uh, Kirksey, Zach Cunningham, who does not fit, I don't think, for the for the Tampa two, although he may be the middle linebacker. Uh, he's probably a good candidate. Uh, it's just popping into my mind that he can run a little bit, and he's got some, he's he's got some uh, uh, instinct about him. Bradley Roby uh, comes over from uh, uh, another team, but he's suspended for a couple games to start the season. Eric Murray, Justin Reed is a pretty good player, I think. Terrence Mitchell is a pretty good player. So again, they lined up on defense. They did what they had to do. Kaimi Fairburn returns as the punter, as the kickoff man, I should say, and plays kicker Cameron Johnson, uh, the punter. Kiki QT is a decent punt returner. Andre Roberts is a very good kick returner. And uh, John Weeks is the long snapper. So it's um, th- this, is, this is not a good picture. And because Deshaun Watson's availability is, to say the least, um, question, questionable at this point, 
Uh, Lord help us if he's not there at quarterback. And if they're forced to trade him, they will have to uh, they will have to get someone back who can play quarterback. So right. it's it's not a it's not a pretty picture. How how tough is this also? Because like in in a lot of situations, right, you would see a lot of young talent on a team like this where the needle moving up would be, hey, these guys are you know, improving. What is a positive outcome, especially if there's no Deshaun this season for this team? The positive outcome is that you're going to get a very high draft choice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be excited for them next year, Scott. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, hopefully they don't trade them for another left tackle. Now, keep in mind that, that, that what they're doing, and I agree with this 100%, is making themselves professional and, and probably setting about building a team around the kinds of players, the kinds of the young player, quality players that you describe, none of which I see in the draft necessarily, uh, in this draft. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Right now, it doesn't look promising at all. And, it, and listen, in most cases, rebuilds are, are that way. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And I will say this, Nick knows how to operate. David Culley is a longtime assistant coach in the league, and he'll have his feet firmly planted on the ground. He's got Lovey to, work, to rely upon, uh, on de- not only on defense, but to help him out in the head coaching responsibilities. And so uh, better days are ahead for this team, but just not this season. Bill, right. um, you know, there's always a, a, a colloquy about whether it's easier to move. And there's, I've heard evidence that this is the case from the bottom to the top more quickly than from the middle to the top. Uh, which do you find the more difficult situation? Well, they're both very difficult. You know, the, the, the trope that it's easier to go from two and fourteen to eight and eight, or now nine and seven, or seven and, and nine, or, or I'm sorry, nine and nine eight. Nine and eight. Yeah, it's just that. I mean, it's just nonsense. It's a it's a talking point that that people talk about. But the fact is, to go from ten and six to twelve and four is much more difficult because you now have a much more difficult schedule. You have much more difficult scheduling because if you're 10 and 6, uh, the TV networks say, okay, let's put these guys on, particularly if you got players that people want to see. Um, you play at odd hours, on odd days. Um, there's, there's much more expectation depending on the market you're in. It can make life miserable for the players and the coaches. Um, so... It's much more difficult to take that last step from the first round of the playoffs or winning a division to getting to where you need to go to the big game. That's more difficult. But don't think it's easy to go from two and fourteen to uh, to nine and seven. It's not. Um, okay, with the Colts, um, some um, some familiar names leave. But that's always the case uh, with a team that has really good players, and the Colts do. So there's some guys that they need to sign long-term, and as a result, 
people leave. So Danica Autry, who's 31 and a very solid defensive end, leaves. He goes to Tennessee in the division for three years at, uh, at, at with with $9 million guaranteed. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, who's an excellent backup quarterback, and I don't know if he's landed anywhere yet. He's in Miami. He's in Miami. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a great pickup for Miami. Um, he's, he's really a solid, solid player, and you could do a lot of things with him. And if you have to play six games with him, he's probably going to win at minimum three. Um, I'd rather him than New Orleans guy every day of the week because he takes care of the football and he makes solid plays. He can make plays with his feet. Um, Anthony Walker Jr. was a really good uh, middle linebacker. He's only 26. Good pickup by Cleveland. Um, you know, undersized. Probably not a big market for him in other places, uh, but but a, a good player for the Colts nonetheless. Um, Tavon Wilson, solid contributor in the, in the defensive backfield, 31 years of age. He goes to San Francisco. And Trayvon Smith, a backup corner, uh, goes to Houston. So, uh, hey, Bill, let me just uh, sort of refresh our listeners, you know, in terms of last year so they can see you know, where the starting point was. Uh, the offense, uh, this is, in, again, league-wide, ranked uh, eighth in points per game with 27.9. Uh, they were tied for eighth in combined yards per play with 5.9, uh, ninth in yards per pass with 7.3, 13th uh, when it came to the average rush amount, which was 4.4, um, and then... Uh, they were they protected well. They were ranked second, only giving up 1.2 sacks per game. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they in terms of points allowed, they were tied for 11th at 22.9. The combined yards uh, allowed, they were they were ninth at 335.9. Uh, passing yards, they were tied for 19th. Rushing though, they were great. They were number one against the rush. Um, and they they were twelfth in terms of uh, sacks recorded. It gave them a, a, a point differential of plus five, a little o- little over plus five, uh, and a turnover margin of uh, plus zero point six uh, per game. So uh, you know as you go through when you get to the defense, you know obviously strong against the run. Maybe you tell us a little bit about the, why the pass was more problematic, along with where you think the offense is headed. Well, they added a number of players in the offseason, some of whom returned, which are the most critical elements of the whole thing, I think. The trade for Carson Wentz, obviously he's the starting quarterback, and he's back with Frank Reich, and, uh, and Frank will get him straightened out. He'll have a line that can protect him, and uh, I think you'll see the, the old Carson Wentz reemerge. Marlon Mack re-signs a one-year, $2 million contract. He did not get what he thought he might on the open market. But that's a great get for the Colts. That is a great get. That's absolutely right. Now, you add him to uh, last year's number one choice, and now you got yourself and Raheem Hines. Hines, Taylor. I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about a damn good offensive (laughs) backfield. Yeah, yeah. And Carson Wentz is the recipient of that. Hand the ball to us, Carson. Don't worry about it. 
Has anybody gone from a worse situation to a better situation overnight? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, uh, sometimes you got to be a little bit lucky. <laughs> and the second part of that is T.Y. Hilton, who returns and now makes Paris Campbell, if he's healthy and can play, uh, not a spare part, but he makes he makes that receiving core just complete. And again, he's like Marlon Mack. He's a He's a beloved figure in Indianapolis. They added Julian Davenport, Eric Fisher. <coughs> Pardon me. We got to give it up to Bill for playing injured. Yeah, today. exactly. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have shown up today. Yeah, well, you. I, you I apologize, you, uh, you, not to you guys, but to the fans, <laughs> our <laughs> listeners. Uh, Scott wouldn't show up if he had a splinter in his finger. So. No, never. I, uh, I have a, a pretty good case of the airline flu, and. Uh, so uh, you'll have to excuse my, my frequent uh, outbursts of coughing and sneezing here. Offensive line, they had Julian Davenport, Sam Tevy, Chris Reed, and Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher probably ends up, when he gets healthy, starting, uh, and he probably can play, as long as he's healthy, pretty close to the level that Anthony Costanzo played at. And if that's the case... They be they remain the number one offensive line in the league. So Carson Wentz is a happy man because his problems or the problems that <coughs> lack of talent and availability caused him in Philadelphia don't exist in in uh, in uh, Indianapolis. Um, El Kadim Mohammed uh, came back, another great addition for the defense because he's a he's a sacker, a big time sacker. Antoine Woods uh, at defensive tackle is a good uh, uh, backup piece. Xavier Rhodes returns uh, at, for another year at corner. And, and Sean Davis, a, a good piece in the secondary, re, uh, signed a one-year deal. This speaks to what a coach can do in terms of acquiring players. Carson Wentz, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Fisher, El Kadeem Mohammed, and Antoine Woods all could have gone other places. And they went to Indianapolis because of Frank Reich and Chris Bauer. It's that simple. So when you have a good front office and a good coach, you're going to attract players. That's and an owner that's willing to spend, as Jim Irsay is, there you go. You get good players. In the draft, uh Again, excuse me. Quiddy Pay, um, outstanding prospect from Michigan. Not a lot of production, still learning the game. Robert Mathis uh, uh, and, and uh, Dwight Freeney numbers athletically. So where they were drafting the 21st pick, uh, real good pick. Dale uh, out of bingo is injured. He's probably back midseason. They took him in the second round. He's a long guy with real good edge speed and slipperiness. So what they did was they brought in two defensive ends who they hope will contribute for the next six or eight years. And um, without the injury, he would have been drafted a lot higher. He would have been a first-rounder, yeah. yeah. Uh, he would have. Kellen Granson is a, is a receiving tight end from Southern Methodist. I kind of like him. I like his route-running ability. I like his hands. 
Um, he's more of a pass-catching tight end than anything else, but not bad. Sean Davis, a decent safety from Florida. Sam Ellinger, is it, the quarterback from Texas, is an interesting selection. And uh, in talking with Chris Ballard on my serious radio show, I said to him, might there be a goal line short yardage package for Mr. Ellinger uh, at quarterback? And, and he laughed, and, and, we, and then we both started laughing, and he said, we don't give away any trade secrets even if it's on your show. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll just speculate then. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, by the way, Jacoby Brissett was their goal line and short yardage package last year. They did it out of necessity against the game against Green Bay in a game where they they should have been ahead by four touchdowns, and right. if they could have converted in the in the red zone, yeah, <clears throat> they uh, they finally did it in the in the second half and ended up winning the game. I think Ellinger will play the same role. Michael Strachan is a wide receiver from the College of Charleston, good young prospect, and Will Fries, a guard from Penn State, rounds out their draft choices. Philip Rivers, of course, retired, uh, which is too bad, but um, it opened the door for Carson Wentz. So here's how they line up on offense. Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, T.Y. Hilton. L- listen to this running back group. Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Woo-wee. That's, that's yeah. the best in the league. I mean, it's not close. Depth-wise, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, last year's second-round draft choice who came in and, and, and really played well. Paris Campbell is penciled in there, and but Paris has to, for all his talent, has to prove he can stay healthy. Uh, McLaurin was his teammate, far less heralded teammate at, at Ohio State. Paris was considered by all, including myself, to be the better prospect, although I was really high on McFarland. Uh but he just can't get on the field because of injury. So, and, and he's not dogging it or anything. It's just bad luck. Uh, but he's got to get on the field. Uh, but uh, in his absence last year, Zach Paschal came on and, and really became a, a, a big-time contributor. Uh, so uh, the, the return of T.Y. Hilton, and if Paris Campbell is healthy, uh, and Zach Pascal, thanks very much. That's a solid, solid group. Carson Wentz sleeps better at night knowing he has those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead of people coming off the street who hadn't played football in three years. Right. <laughs> trying to play wide receiver in the National Football When you League. were working at Coles the week before. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes. it's, it's not good to meet the offensive line for the first time in the huddle. Um, Jack Doyle returns at tight end. Mo Ali Cox is a very sound back up there. They like Granson. I think they. I think you know. Would there be a move for a veteran tight end at the right price? Yes, but they're is not going to. Could this be an Earth spot? You think it could be. It could be. But I think Philadelphia's probably hanging on for thinking they're going to get a good buy. Uh, I'm not so sure that the Colts will do that. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz at the right price if he's on the market. Fine but not at a premium draft choice price because they, they, they like what they got there. Eric Fisher will step in at left tackle. Quentin Nelson, who's, you know, continues to 
work his way toward a gold jacket. Ryan Kelly, uh, Mark Lewinsky, who's turned into a really nice uh, right guard, and Braden Smith, uh, who they're going to try and re-sign, uh, is, is, turns out to be a solid right tackle and a, and a worthy uh, a worthy successor to Ryan Deem, who played there for 10 years with us. On defense, Ben Bonagou uh, starts as the as the left defensive end. We'll see where Quay and Odebingo factor in there. DeForest Bunchker is a phenomenal three technique, phenomenal three technique. It takes a while for three techniques to get noticed because even in this day, of Los Angeles, this guy who is the best in the league, probably the best defensive lineman in the league, they don't get a lot of headlines because you can't see them until you look at the film, unless they sack somebody or something like that. They're even hard for the director to find in a in a televised game. So Buckner does not get enough credit for what he does. Secondly, he was traded by San Francisco, so in the minds of some media, there's a stigma there, uh, when in fact... It, it, there's no stigma at all. He's a great player. Um, Grover Stewart is a s- solid uh, 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 nose tackle. Muhammad returns at the other end. And uh, and so, and Kamiko Torre is coming off an injury. So uh, we'll, we'll see where that one shakes out when it's all said and done. But between Pei, uh, Bonagu, uh, El-Kadeen Muhammad, and Torre, when he's back, that's a that's a pretty solid group. Uh, Darius Leonard is the best weak side linebacker in the league, period. End of story. Uh, I don't want to hear about anybody else. He's head and shoulders <laughs> over everybody. He makes plays. He covers uh, linebacker. He covers uh, backs. He covers wide receivers. He sacks the quarterback. Uh, there's only one like him. Uh, so, uh, well, let's go on. We'll, we'll, we'll go on with the... The defense. Zaire Franklin uh, moves in at the middle linebacker spot. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Bobby Okariki has developed into a fine, strong linebacker and a multiple rush guy. Uh, Coach Everflus, their defensive coordinator, is um, uh, a little more creative than we were with the very same defense. By the way, this is this is this, the same defense we played when you know we won 115 games or whatever it was. Um, and uh, he, he, he's a little more creative than we were in terms of blitzing. And I think you have to be in this day and age because there's uh, m- many more wide open formations. And Okariki's turned it to be a, a, a really good player. And EJ Speed is a, is a guy who can, you know, he, he's a good, solid player to have. Kenny Moore has developed into a fine left corner. Rocky Hussein, who backs him up, is, is, is a great uh, sub-package player. Uh, Kari Willis at strong safety has done a marvelous job. Julian Blackman came in as a rookie last year and just played lights out. And of course, uh, Xavier Rhodes comes back and he's backed up by uh, TJ Carey. So um, this is a this is a defense that was really good last year and has a chance to be even better this year. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is a is a solid place kicker. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is an excellent punter. Uh, Naheem Hines is a terrific punt returner. Isaiah Rogers is a terrific kickoff returner. And uh, Luke Rhodes, the long snapper, is solid. So they have on defense, there are three key players 
in this defense that have to be, in essence, all pro for you to have a, a dominant defense. And they are, in this order, the three technique, the will linebacker, and the strong safety. If you have really good edge rushers, meaning they're pro bowlers as well, uh, now you have five. And now you can be dominant. So think about uh, the year that we won the Super Bowl. Up until that time, we never had had the dominant three technique who's the most important man. And so we, we, we got Booger McFarlane in a trade. And like that, we became dominant. Bob Sanders at the strong safety. Uh, and, of course, the weak linebacker in those days was uh, was uh, David Thornton and Cato June. They actually they, they overlapped. Um, they were not um, pro bowl type players, but excellent, excellent players. And, but the fact that we had Freeney and Mathis kind of overshadowed that because they they took over games, and um, and then this group is the same way. The question is: Is Kari Willis going to develop and Blackman going to develop into um, the kind of tandem that that can can be big time producers? I think the answer to that is yes. Blackman is already showing that, and I think Willis did too. So this is a defense that I think is going to be better than it was, and it was damn good. So the the bottom line is this team was one poor throw, the fourth down attempt for the touchdown instead of the field goal against Buffalo in Buffalo in the playoff game because Rivers missed the crosser when he was wide open. The call was good. Don't argue with the call. Should he have taken the points? Probably in hindsight, yes. As Marv Levy used to say, if what you called didn't work, you should have called the other thing. But the bottom line is the call was a good call. The player, the player was wide open. The crosser was wide open. Uh, the, the quarterback missed the throw. So, and maybe a better player would have caught it too. You know, maybe, maybe an all-pro would have caught it. But they're one play away from advancing in the playoffs. And so they beat the, they would have beaten on the road the team that went to the championship game. Now, do I think last year that they were as good as Kansas City? No, because I'm not sure that in Kansas City they would have had as good a chance to beat them as they might have in Indianapolis, and that wasn't going to happen. But are, were they good enough to go to the championship game? I don't think there's any question about that. So while obviously, you know, the horseshoe is tattooed on my left arm, uh, <laughs> right near my heart, uh, the, the, and I was conflicted as hell in that playoff game. Uh, we're not, not going to say where the buffalo is, is, is tattooed right now. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the other arm. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> all right. I'll let you go with that one. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, this was this is a team that is good enough. Uh, now, yeah. Carson Wentz has to be the old Carson Wentz. 
And if he is, um, they're good enough. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. This is a problem. This team is a problem in the AFC. They are a game better than your uh, metaphorical 10 and 6. But the way you see this team and, you know, with what they've done in the offseason, you see no problem in getting to, I mean, the next level is basically going almost all the way or all the way. And you, you believe they can do it. I think, yeah, I think they're capable of it. Um, you know, whether you do it or not remains, is affected by any number of things, the most important of which is injuries. But, you know, do they have the organization? Without question. Chris Ballard, I I don't know if he got the Executive of the Year award. If he didn't, he should have. Uh, but but the he's, he's in that category. Frank Reich is an incredible coach, incredibly forward-looking, Witness what they what what they convinced their players to do in the offseason program. Frank talked with all of his players and said, "Look, if you come in for eleven for eleven consecutive days and give us everything you got, uh, we won't have eleven on eleven. We'll work only on individual and 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 group work, and 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 then it's over by strength and conditioning and." By Memorial Day, you're gone. We'll see you in July or August. And with with blowback from the union and blowback from the NFL office, Jim Irsay did what he always did, does. Hey, I'm backing my coach and general manager 100%. They're going to do it. So that tells you where their mindset is. You know, when you get back T.Y. Hilton and you get back people like that who want to come back and play with this group and for this coach, that tells you a, a, a lot of what's going on. Am I biased? You bet I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been with Frank Reich for 35 years. So Right, right. And he now will have both tattoos as well. He will. Yes, he will. Yes, yes he will. And uh, But it's, it's a bias based on facts. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a very reasonable, very reasonable thing. And, you know, as you say, the fact that they're willing to do what other teams are not, it shows you what the players think of Frank Reich. So, yeah. you know. So uh, we want to take a break in the middle of the show to talk about a product we absolutely love. That's got stubs. Now that the world is opening up again, guys, and you can start thinking about going to sporting events, going to concerts, going to the theater, what did you guys miss the most? What do you guys want to go see as soon as you can? First of all, I, I got to say, Scott, just having access to to the and the ability to look out there, look all over the country, see things that you would love to do. I mean, this just, you know, this thing didn't didn't exist. You're, you're too young to remember this, Scott. But people couldn't do this. The only way you got to events was to stand out in front of stadiums or concert halls and and hope somebody wasn't scalping too badly or gave you a real ticket. It wasn't a fake. So, I mean, the whole idea of this is great. One thing that jumped out at me was uh, kind of local to your area, Scott, at the Birchmere in May. The Amish Atwals are appearing. Hey, hey look at that. One of the great cover bands of all time. These, For those who don't know them, uh, these are some guys from... Uh, 
I guess you'd call them straight out of Lancaster, <laughs> and and they're permanent rumspringa. These guys. Yeah, feel feel free to send all your hate mail as per usual to IF Bill Polian and reference Rick. Uh, if you've spent the entire time in COVID inside, it's awesome to know that the thing you want to do most is go to eight people to the Birchmere and see somebody breaking rumspringa. Well, yeah, hey, yeah, you asked. That's my that's my fence. There you go. Bill, what would it be for you? Please make sure you send that hate mail referencing Rick. You know, yes. I, I don't want to get caught up in the in all these obscure references which people seem to dislike. In any event, uh, this is as sincere, as honest as I can be. One of the things that I I have missed most uh, during this long hiatus is live theater, and one of the things that I miss most is having the ability to go to New York where we'd still have uh, friends and relatives and and like we used to do in the old days, be able to go and see three or four shows in a, in a seven-day span. Um, Broadway is back and open, but tickets are so hard to come by and, and you can't go on the come. You know, you can't hope that you'll go to the, the kiosk on Broadway and Somebody will have some tickets for for a, a, a matinee because you're spending a ton of money for the flights right. and a ton and a half of money for the hotel room and all the rest. So knowing that you can plan a trip to New York, which revolves around Broadway, and if you happen to be a sports fan like myself, Yankee Stadium and City Field, uh, or in the fall uh, when when the fall season on Broadway is at its, at its height, uh, Giant Stadium, you're, in, you're in, in paradise. So you have that opportunity to do that now that you otherwise would never have. Very true. Well, for all of your ticket needs, Got Stubbs has got you covered. They're not like the big ticket brokers. It's a hundred percent guarantee. They donate some of their proceeds to a local charity in Chicago. They're really great guys. So as you think about re-entering the universe, look no further than Got Stubbs. They've got you covered, and eventually they will have your Broadway tickets. For me, I think it would be going down to Kiowa on Thursday, but uh, that's that's probably a it's tougher to get on the island uh this week than it is to actually get on the ocean course yeah that's very true but now don't forget they got tickets to wrigley field which is always the hottest ticket in chicago but comiskey park or whatever it's named recently i've lost track of that is going to be pretty hot too so that's uh you know if you're interested in going to uh, the second city, which is a great trip. Yeah. There you go. Get your tickets to Cubbies and the White Sox. Exactly. There you go. They're playing the Orioles in uh, in July, Rick. Yeah, I know. Sox are hot. Maybe we'll make a trip of it, Scott. There you go. Although I'm not sure I'm leaving the house. That's uh, part of my other life. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, you got you got to know Scott to understand that. Though. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, for all your ticket needs, check out gotstubs.com. They've got you covered. And now to the rest of the show. Yeah. Right, well, let's let's go to the let's go to the next interesting situation in Jacksonville. So we're going down to Jacksonville now. All right, we're headed to Jacksonville, and I spent some time with the newly minted head coach the other night, and really enjoyed it. And uh, and we had we you know we had a lot of uh, a lot of good talk, 
and uh, he's on top of things. Uh, Urban Meyer, he uh, he knows what he's facing. Uh, most importantly, knows what he doesn't know. Had a lot of questions about how to handle a long season and 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 how to approach various management issues uh, with the squad that don't occur at the college level. A lot of discussion about that. Got a good, such a good, solid general manager with him. So in Trent Balky, uh, got Tom Gamble down there in the personnel department, who was with me for a long time and who I think very highly of. So I think uh, I think they're headed in the right direction. So so let me give you that tail of the tape from last year to see where they're starting. And of course, uh, so I mean, uh, they ranked thirtieth in points per game at nineteen point one. They ranked 24th in combined yards per play, 26th in passing yards per play. Uh, they they were 25th in sacks allowed. Defensively, it didn't get any better. It got worse. Points allowed per game, they were 31st. Same thing with y- uh, yards allowed. Uh, they were tied for 23rd on yards per pass, 27th in rushing yards allowed, and uh, at, that at, wound up adding up to 31st in point differential with a minus 11.6 and a turnover margin of minus 0.6 per game. Uh, there's a reason you get to pick first in the draft. Uh, the Jags stats tell you the story. Uh, tell us the rest of it. Do a good talk with Urban Meyer. Hey, they, maybe they'll have Tim Tebow at, you know, tight end. We'll see what happens. I, we're not talking about that. Okay, but that's it. That's it. You got to mention, the, you know, okay. All right, you're right. It's banned. It's banned. Obligatory mention. Let's move on. Uh, right, exactly. The, the, uh, the, first of all, the record last year was by design. Uh, the previous general manager decided to tank, gutted the team, uh, way back when, when they when he made the Ramsey trade, trying to uh, r- trying to stack up for this particular year, whether it was because he believed they'd get the quarterback or not remains to be seen. Uh, the fact it's immaterial now anyway, uh, and, and so this was a this was a tank job, and and it cost like all tank jobs, it cost a lot of good people, including my son, their jobs, um, and, uh, and and the end result. Uh, will only, uh, in fact, it costs every, virtually everybody their jobs. Um, the end result will, will, will only be known four or five years down the road. Uh, but tanking uh, almost never benefits anybody, really. It benefits the franchise sometimes long-term. It did not in Cleveland, um, I, I, the jury's out on 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 whether it will here or not. Um, the players that they lost are almost immaterial. Keelan Cole, you know, decent wide receiver. Al Woods, defensive tackle. Chris Connolly, you know, journeyman wide receiver. Mike Glennon, journeyman backup quarterback. Uh, Rasheen Melvin, a halfway decent corner. Eric Stolbert, tight end. Greg Maven, uh, Kevin Correa. I mean, there are no household names there. So uh, Keenan Cole is, is, is probably the, uh, the, the most uh, productive guy. He went, he's 28. He went to the Jets on a one-year deal at, at $5 million, and that's the definition of a journeyman player. Right. Yeah. Uh, and not to denigrate him. I mean, just that's, yeah. that's where he falls. Uh, 
Yeah, that's what you build a league on. So, you know. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the, the journeyman salary in the NFL. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I'll be happy to be a journeyman at that price. Sign me up. They added a lot of players. Some of this, I think, is the personnel department. Others of it are people that the coaching staff knows from other spots. This will smooth out over time. Um, and I think there's some, they got some good guys here. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you could argue that they could not uh, have been worse than what they were. And that's probably true. Um, C.J. Beathard comes in as a as a backup quarterback. Carlos Hyde, um, who's got who was played for Urban at Ohio State. Um, the the one area they have talent is at running back, but you always need a backup. Uh, Jamal Agnew, Philip Dorsett, Marvin Jones uh, come in. Marvin Jones is the uh, uh, is the known quantity there, uh, but he's of course got some mileage on him. Um, uh, Cam Robertson received the franchise tag in, in, in looking at it. I'm not sure they had much of a choice there. I'm not sure that they want to sign him to a long-term deal. By the way, I didn't talk personnel with, with Urban. So, you know, he's not interested in my opinion, nor am I interested in giving it to him. But, uh, <laughs> that's what you get paid for. <laughs> Uh, Tyler Shaffley, uh, they signed an offensive guard. Adam Gostens as a defensive end. DeJuan Smoot, um, two-year deal, pretty solid defensive end. Jahal Ward, um, a defensive end. This, All of these signings, by the way, tell me that they're, they're headed to the 3-4 area. Uh, power 3-4 or power 4-3 area. Power defense. Um, uh, Malcolm Brown acquired in a trade with the Rams, Roy Robertson-Harris, Daniel Ross, Damian Wilson, Sidney Jones re-signed, Damian Wilson re-signed, Shaquille Griffin comes over uh, at corner uh, from Jacksonville uh, with, uh, I'm sorry. From Seattle. Seattle with $29 million guaranteed. Um, you know, let's see. Let's see how it works out. Uh if they're not planning on playing uh, Seattle's defense and, and, and it doesn't look like they are, I don't know if that's worth the money, but we'll find out. Um, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Jenkins signs a $16 million guarantee at safety. Uh, Josh Jones re-signed with the Jaguars. So uh, generally speaking, um, a mixed bag. The Shaquille Griffin deal I mean, unless he's a unless he's a real you know solid contributor, that's not a, a, a you know a deal that you jump up and down about. But who cares about the cap money anyway? I mean, they're not going to be in any danger of of being anywhere near the cap. So they had yeah. lots of available space. Yeah, they did right. Um, okay, Trevor Lawrence. We know uh, Urban said to me. In pure football speak, the other night there were some people who are not football people there standing and listening, and he said, uh, well, you know, as you know, Bill, you never know until you know. So, But, but I think we're going to know pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw people kind of shaking their heads, and I said, Urban, that's exactly right. Yeah, you get, that's, I couldn't agree more. Right, right. So, 
what? <laughs> but he's right. Uh, they, they don't know yet, uh, but, but the trend is, is entirely positive. And I think in the long run, it, it will be positive as well. The other big thing that came from that shocked me was that uh, there were, the big story was Travis Etienne working at wide receiver. Well, first of all, Trevor was on a pitch count because his left shoulder was operated on. So they don't want to put any stress on his on his body until the shoulder is 100 percent healed up. And uh, and why not use Travis as a as a uh, slot receiver? Uh, you know, you, you got uh, he, he, he can catch the ball. He runs really good routes. Uh, you got the big stud Robinson back there to tote the mail and do the heavy duty lifting. Uh, why not? What's the big deal? Well, I guess it was, you know, it was a big deal. He's a running back. How can you put him at wide receiver? Easy. Just move him out there. They also did this at Ohio State. It's not a surprise. You had the Curtis Samuels of the world. Right, they had exactly. players like this who did this role. That's exactly right. Um, Tyson Campbell at, at, at from comes over from Georgia, uh, third-round draft choice. I'm sorry, second-rounder, uh, 33rd pick. Uh, I, I think he, he's going to turn into a, a pretty good corner. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of rough edges there, but I, but I, I think he's going to turn into a, a good one. Walker Little comes in from Stanford. He, he was an opt-out last year, and he's got some injury history. But if he's healthy with the 45th pick in the draft, I think this was a, I think this was a good pick. It's a big if as to whether or not he's healthy. That's the key. He has not played a lot of football. No, he has not. Yes, nope. Andre Cisco, safety from Syracuse. This is a ball hawk who, who's probably in the early part of his career a situational safety who plays back and plays the ball and, and, and becomes a ball hawk. He's got to grow into the job, but there's a lot to like here. He's a playmaker, that's for sure, and you can never get enough of those. I really like Jay Tufili, uh, the fourth-round pick. This is an active, tough, hard-nosed, uh, you know, I like football and I want to go knock you on your back <laughs> guy. I, I really like this guy. I think I think he's going to become a, a, a good player. Jordan Smith um, comes, uh, comes from Alabama, Birmingham in the fourth round. Uh, really, you know, really good um, prospect as a defensive end. Luke Farrell is a blocking tight end from Ohio State. He's a complete tight end. You can attach him, um, and, and I'm, I'm certain he'll be pretty good, and he's, he's probably better prepared to play tight end than the more heralded guy that they're thinking of signing. And uh, Jalen Camp, a wide receiver from Georgia Tech, frankly, I don't know very much about him. Uh, but I think, by and large, this was a really good draft, and, and, and you know, Again, they're feeling their way. Everybody has to get used to this is a new process, a new team. Um, and it, this is a learning year for everybody. So at the end of the year, we'll sit back and say, look, there was progress here. I think there's no question there's going to be progress. And, uh, and, and at the end of the year, Urban will have a very detailed, solid going forward plan based upon what he's learned from his experience in the NFL this year. Um, can he coach without question? Is he a good football man without question? 
Did he hire a good staff? Without question, all of that is, is not an issue. So it's a question of how to handle 17 games, which he's never had to do before. And uh, right. uh, so, you know, all of that is how to handle three preseason games, which he's never had to do before. So uh, the the, uh, the preseason games were, uh, you know, were Ohio U and, and Kent right. State. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Akron every now and again. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, all of that will be a learning curve for him, and, and, but it's not steep. And, and you know, he, he, as I say, at the end of this year, he will have a very detailed, detailed plan going forward, and he'll know everybody on his squad, which obviously he doesn't know now. How tough do you think the losing will be for these guys? Because ostensibly, you know, Trevor Lawrence hadn't lost a regular game in high school or college. You know, Urban didn't lose a lot in college. This is that something to be worried about? No, it's not something to be worried about. It will eat at them. It will. Uh, it certainly won't. I don't think it will de- de- deflect either guys. Uh, either guys. Uh, 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 confidence. We, we we got a fourth guest on the podcast. Yeah, today. we did have we had yeah. a a uh, a cameo appearance today by Teddy Polian, our uh, <laughs> our dog who's been away for a while, and she just came in to say hello. And uh, say, Dad, take some cough drops. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, bottom line is that um, this is a it's going to be a tough season, but. There's an old axiom in football, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do. And so you, you learn a lot from this. This is a this is a voyage, this is a shakedown cruise, and you learn a lot, you learn a lot from it. So Bill, you know, there in the past there have been outstanding college coaches that had a hard time making the transition from college to the pros. But Urban seems like the type of guy, I mean, you know him well, uh, who though he's facing something new and how you motivate players and what you do is different. He seems like the kind of guy who's a so well-respected and be the type of person he is should be able to handle the transition. Without question. He's won every place he's been, you know, he, he won at Bowling Green. He won at Utah. He won at Florida. He won at Ohio state. That's not an accident. And, and in a lot of those places, Utah and Bowling Green, um, he didn't have any recruiting advantages at all, and uh, he knows talent. I mean, look at look at the people that he had at Florida. Uh, Tebow's the, probably one of the few that haven't made it in the National Football League. That's <laughs> right, the irony right. of all right. of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, you know, at Ohio State, they kept turning out one first round draft choice off the first round draft choice. So why why would you not think that? It, uh, I jokingly said to him, "It's you know." It's a little more difficult. This was in a conversation about a year ago. It's a little more difficult at this level because you only have one draft choice. You know, you don't have you don't have twelve first round draft right. choices <laughs> that you can give scholarships to every year. Right. It takes a little longer, uh, and and so you know he's a great judge of talent. Um, he's he's terrific handling the team. He's a tough, hard nosed, realistic guy, and. Um, and so he'll succeed. I don't have any doubt about that. The only the only reason he won't succeed was if he did not get the organizational support. And I'm certain that he will get the organization, the organizational support. And he's got 
this is the this is the benefit of bringing in a, 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 a head coach with a huge profile, and it's doubly beneficial in Florida, of course, because he was successful there at the university. Not a lot of people can come knocking on the door and say, hey, coach, you know, I'd like to talk to you about how you're approaching analytics with uh, this particular third and goal situation. You know, that's not going to happen. Uh, th- those, those kind of people don't get to have lunch with Coach Belichick and tell them how their, how their uh, uh, analytics is showing him that he's not using the tight end enough. You know, and there are franchises where coaches without that kind of, uh, without that kind of juice, and reputation, can be distracted and overridden by these hangers-on and 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 wannabes and people with theories. So um, that's not going to happen with Urban. And by the way, one of his closest friends in football is a man named Belichick, who's given him a a lot, a lot of good advice. I know. So. Um, Everything's everything's in place here, and and the owner is a Shad Khan is a terrific man who really just wants to win, and and so when you got that, I'd say more than half the battle. They've got a coach who can win, they got a quarterback who can win, and an owner who wants to win. Uh, the rest is not easy, <laughs> as as Coach Levy said. It, 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 winning is simple, but it isn't easy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they got most of most of the most of the pieces in place. Yep, yep. All right, take us to Tennessee. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. So another eleven and five team, uh, and also uh, excellent offensive numbers. Not so good on the defensive side of the ball. They were fourth uh, in points per game at almost thirty points a game. Uh, and combined yards, they were ranked fifth, a little over six yards uh, per attempt uh, in. Passing yards, Bill, they were ranked 7th at 7.5. In rushing, they were tied for 2nd with a great running game at 5.0. And in in sacks allowed, uh, there was a three-way tie uh, for 5th at 1.5. The defense, the numbers are not so good. In points allowed, they were 24th, giving up 27 points a game. Uh, In terms of yards, they were 28th, giving up almost 400 yards a game. Uh, in passing yards allowed, they were tied for 19th, giving up seven yards per attempt. Rushing yards, they were 25th at 4.7 sacks per game. They were ranked 29th, only recording 1.4. But overall, because of the offense, uh, they wound up with a plus 2.6 dip point differential and a plus 0.06 uh, turnover margin. Uh, so Bill, the defense was not great. Uh, talk about the offense was better. Tell us where they went from there, gains, losses, and your view of the future. Well, the defense was not only not great, it was almost lousy. Uh, it couldn't do anything on third down because they had no rushers other than the outside linebacker from Boston College. And most of the people that they relinquished as free agents uh, were on the defensive side of the ball. Adoree Jackson, uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, Daquan Jones, Malcolm Butler, Desmond King, uh, all guys, Matt Dickerson, all guys that, uh, that, that did not get the job done on defense. And uh, the, the most notable people that they lost in free agency were John o. Smith, who went to New England, 
and Corey Davis. Corey Davis was a, a bit of a surprise. Uh, he went to the Jets, uh, but he was a first rounder who did not live up to his potential. He played pretty well, but didn't move up to his potential. And of course, John O. Smith, uh, it, it was a good pickup for New England. And I'm kind of surprised that they let him go. But, you know, that's a decision they had to make. The guys that they added uh, were, were basically backup guys. Um, Kendall Lamb has a chance to start. Uh, Ty Sembrello is a, is, a, is a backup guy, both offensive tackles. Danico Autry, uh, he's coming over from the Colts, so that's a subtraction for the Colts and, a, and an addition for the, for the Titans as a, as a rusher. Jayon Brown, um, Bud Dupree. Now, here's the story on Bud Dupree. Without a running mate, he can be stalemated. Right. He can't beat people, can't beat double teams. He can't beat chips, things of that nature. With a running mate, such as J.J. Watt, or the kid that they have from Boston College, That'll be interesting. So Landry is the key. He's got to stay healthy. No more pressure on Landry. Exactly right. Uh, they add uh, Janoris Jenkins. Eh. Kevin Johnson. Eh. Matthias Farley, good, solid special teams guy. Um, you know, I'm not sure I'd jump up and down with those deals, but they these are guys that that, you know, they think fit better than the people they had. So... You got, you got to go with that. Uh, the draft, if he's healthy, Caleb Farley becomes a number one corner, and that's fine. You know, you hope that he's healthy. That's the, that's the bottom line. Dylan Redunds is young, developing, second-round choice, offensive tackle, I think has a chance to be pretty good, but he's a ways away at this point in time. Monty Rice Elijah Molden from Washington. Again, injury issues. I think it may have been an opt-out as well. Everybody opt-out at UW. <laughs> uh, yeah, Coach Pete left and, and, and the team opted out. Um, he is, uh, he's got a chance to be really pretty good. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, I like as a fourth-rounder wide receiver from Louisville. Uh, and uh, Rashad Weaver. Defensive end from Pittsburgh. Uh, this is a guy with some ability. Numbers are not great, but but he, he does. He's a playmaker. So uh, they added some pieces, particularly Farley and Redunds, that I think uh, will really help them. And Molden, I think if he's if he's healthy, will really help them. Um, so let's go to the depth chart. Ryan Tannehill, same no more. You know, he's he's good enough. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, yeah, maybe he's not going to play 10 years. We keep handing him the ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, now, the people that back him up, uh, I don't think have proven that they can be championship backups. So we'll find out about that. Uh, I'm guessing they're in the market for a backup running back if I'm, you know, if I'm them. Looking at the Eagles. Yep. A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, 
Des Fitzpatrick, you're asking a lot of a rookie to step in at wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, A.J. Brown is pretty damn good. Josh Reynolds is pretty good. I think they're, they're okay there. Um, it's going to be hard to replace the tight end. Anthony Ferkser is a, is a solid player, but I don't know that you replace what John o. Smith gave you. And he had a connection with the quarterback. So that one was a little puzzling to me. Uh, essentially, they kept Taylor the one and let the tight end go. They re-signed Taylor the one, who, you know, is a decent left tackle. Roger Southold has found a home at guard. He was a heralded offensive tackle coming out. Many of us thought that he was not an offensive tackle. We were proven right. And to his credit, he moved to guard and has become an outstanding guard. Um, ben Jones at center is fine. Nate Davis, and they're, they're penciling in uh, Redunds as a, as, a pars- as a possible starter. I'm not so sure that, that I think there's a ways to go there. Uh, but we'll see. That That's a position that, that you want to keep an eye on, and the running back position is one that you want to keep an eye on, and the wide receiver position is one you want, third wide receiver you want to keep an eye on in terms of who can step in and really perform there. But talent-wise on offense, this is definitely a step back a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think so. I think so. Um, uh, at the, at, on defense, Jeffrey Simmons, sound. Uh, Tahir Tart and Nose Tackle and Dalen Mack, good combination. Autry, uh, he's not a 3-4 defensive end, but he's but he's but he'll be good 4-3 outside rusher. Landry is their best player on defense for my money. Uh, really good pass rusher. Uh, really good football player. Playmaker. Uh, has to stay healthy. One of the reasons he hasn't is because People double-team him and beat on him all day because he's the only guy they had. So, uh, you know, you you take a beating doing that. I like Jayon Brown as an inside linebacker. I like Rashawn Evans. Uh, Dupree steps in, and that gives Landry a running mate, and that was was a good move. Uh, Jenkins um, has been a solid, if not outstanding, performer at corner. Uh, Amani Hooker is a solid performer at strong safety. Kevin Byard has really not has really not taken a step beyond what he was two years ago when he had all those interceptions. But I think he's capable of it. It just depends on on how things go. It's tough to be a ball hawk when there's nobody to rush the passer. Um, that that that's what they were. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, if not statistically, at least in terms of how you rate people by the eye test, they were the worst third down defense in the league last year. So right. it's hard to be a great performer when, you know, people can pick you apart on third down because you don't have any rush. And then Farley, we said, has the makings of, of, a, of a great corner. He's as good a prospect as come along at that position in a while, albeit that he has a bad back. Um so that's the Titans depth chart. I would say uh, right now, uh, this is the Titans and the uh, and uh, and the Colts, just like uh, the old days, and right. fight it out for the <laughs> fight it out for the division championship. Yeah. But on paper, the Colts have a better roster than the Titans, don't you think? Well, 
I don't know. We'll see. I never, I never worry about on paper. If you ask me, do the Colts have many question marks? The answer would be not as many as the Titans. But, right. but uh, you know, we'll find out. As yeah, Boomer we'll says, that's why they play the games. Yep, yep. All right, gang. Well, that is our tour of the AFC South. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Bet Online and Got Stubs. If you have any questions for us, hit us up on IF Bill Polian on Twitter, and we will be sure to cover them in the show. Next week, we stay in the South and we're heading to the ever changing NFC South. Some things stay the same, but them, some things change. Thank you for playing injured today, Bill. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to do it. All right. Hey, Scott, I think we should get uh, Ludens as our sponsor for Bill. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rick, pitching on air today. Always nice. There you go. I'll give that a a big endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. All right, everybody. Stay well. Take care of yourself. Talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.